Welcome to part two of our Ashes mashup with the Murlian podcast. In part one, we discussed in detail about the upcoming Ashes series. And in this part two, we move on to something similar in Sri Lanka, which is the inter-school big matches. Then later in the episode, we talk about what's the latest news from Yorkshire racism scandal. So hope you enjoy this episode. Um, please send us your feedback to Sri Lanka Cricket Podcast at gmail.com. Um, yeah, talking about Ashes, um, when you come to Sri Lanka, Tommy, there's a different kind of Ashes happening uh, in in March in Sri Lanka. It's called yeah. Big Matches. I've heard Have about you... this, but I, I don't know anything about it, so I want to I want to know more. I've heard it's it's even bigger. Than, than the ashes in in many ways, and there's a lot of drinking involved. <laughs> <laughs> it is for my family, and obviously I, d- I can't speak for you guys, but for my family, for the men of my family who all went to St Peter's College, which I believe um, Sohan also went to as well, yeah. is uh-huh. and and also is, is the premier school in Sri Lanka. It is the biggest <laughs> deal in the world. Like really? ge- yeah, generally for my dad, it, d- it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like ninety six is one thing, but they're winning the big match because I think most most of the uh, St Peter's St Joseph's games end in draws, right? They there's never a result in those those matches. Right? Nah, they have to, uh, they only the... play two days. Don't you play two days? Oh, oh, so what? Bro, I told me you play for three days. That's why. But so, so my dad actually went to St. Peter's from four till 16 and then went to Royal for, for uh, six four. So he kind of tries oh. to keep an eye on that as well. But St. Peter's is his passion, right? The passion people have in Shrunk for their schools is unbelievable. Um, mm. Like yeah. my dad and his batchmates still fly in from all over the world. in And they're in like their 60s now to go and watch these games. Um is it a and, bit like college football in, in America? Yeah, I think college football is anything that's comparable, right? What was it like? Because you guys both played in them, right? Um, what was it like to play in? Because to set the scene a bit, they're done in, in the big international stadiums and it's a total sellout. They're on radio and TV. Um, yeah. now, now you can eat, they're even streamed online as well, aren't they? And there's... I think the best way to describe it is you've got 19-year-old, 18-year-old kid, like, kids playing against each other in front of packed crowds. So the packed crowds are the past uh, pupils or students who've gone, been to the schools um, and the current students, if you've got 20, 30, I mean, with us, play, played for Royal and that was the Royal St. Thomas um, big match. Uh, I went for St. Peter's, so St. Peter's was a St. Joseph. That, it's just a tradition against um, schools that you play with. A, I've lost count how long the Royal Thomian has been going on. The um, 142 is, years. Wow. Yeah. Um, so this and, year it was the 142nd Battle of the Blues, and it's it, it did. They haven't stopped for the both world wars, so they survived both uh, world wars yeah. and. That's crazy. The longest running cricket encounter in the world. Wow. It's crazy. Like, um, Is it really? So wow. that's our breeding yeah. ground in terms of bringing cricketers up. 
younger ages like i mean i'm not sure exactly but having been in melbourne or australia now six years running here generally junior sport is more of a participation event where i mean you bet at you might open one week you bet at number 11 the other week yeah yeah uh, back in sri lanka you're designated opener from your 13 year old that's your role kind of so you, you wow. pretty much play competitive cricket against other schools and the lead up is by 18 19 year old you're playing in front of packed crowds um so they learn competitive cricket at a very young age um also the scrutiny is if, if a guy drops a catch, he gets sledged out there yeah. in the field in front of 50,000 kids. What's the pressure like, right? When you Because you guys are, what, 18, 19, going into these games. The days leading up to it, because it's written about in the papers, you know that oh. there's, there's people coming from all over the world to watch it. What's The pressure must be unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like, it, it's, it's like representing your country. Yeah. It's it's crazy because um you know there's lots of expectations and you want to do well and at, as you said the added pressure of the media and uh, and you know your classmates they'll come and you know pat you back saying you know don't don't disappoint us it's bloody crazy it's it's and if you if you look at the crowds if you have a test match going on at the same time you will find about 500 people watching the test match and you get a packed crowd uh, in a big match. Is it a big if, opportunity to impress girls? Absolutely. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's all that really matters. A lot of cricketers have had their managers during the, from, from the... <laughs> really? Um, <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Vida plays... I mean, Vida had played for Royal. That, that traditional encounter, I mean, I don't think we've ever had a test match crowd uh, cover the number of uh, audience that goes to a Royal Thormian. Um, and the whole lead up into it is, I mean, different schools got different traditions. It's from like, I mean, Vida will more have hands on on it. They'll probably parade around with the lead up to yeah. the games so of, you know, just bragging rights, we're going to win this game or whatnot. Um, the whole week is a lead up of prepare, prepping for the game. And if you do well and if you win, it's like a national holiday for the school. They don't, they don't, it's a school holiday declared and wow. they, they march around again, you know, um, around the city parading the trophy. So that's how massive an encounter it is. Um, Who's won it more times? It's a, it's a tie with, with our big match at the moment. So, because no one wants to lose. It's always end up in a draw. Unless they, one they like always have no results, right? You just play for yeah, like three days no and then yeah. no, nobody it's wants a, I mean, some of the coaches would be happy with a draw because it's so much pressure losing it. It's like, um, how can I, it's like a soccer, how can I think who's like, well, I can't imagine. His career is gone if he loses a loses a big match, pretty much. So that's how important it is. Even from a player point of view, some 
captains haven't recovered well from school points. They've, I mean, being a captain of a school and then losing the big match has wow. the down effects as well. It's for, for a kid who's 18, 19 years old who's, who loses a game, it takes a big impact on them for, to come back. So we, we see the positive side of if it's a winning captain, yes, they go on. On effect is he feels like he's let down the school or there's a lot of pressure there. So that's the other side of the or um, a player not being on top of a result. So, um, but it it does make a lot of cricketers out of it as well. That's why a lot of you, like you could have asked, how do these put so much pressure? They look so natural playing games at a young age. It's because of that small upbringing. So, um, but crazy times. That's more from a player point of view point of view, spot on. You've got guys who are knocked out in the first two, three hours of yeah. just, just down in the cool ice beers and the heavy liquors. <laughs> yeah. oh, uh, I, I don't know if, I don't think, I assume this doesn't happen. I don't know if this happens for other big matches, but I know for uh, the Battle of the Saints, they do the worshipping of the bottles, right? Um, yeah. Where they, like, I've not been to it. I've only been told about it. I think, do they not, everyone buys a bottle. So there's there's a big spirits drinking culture there, Tommy, and they oh. take it. Do they, where do they take it to? They take it to outside the like one of the statues outside the school, and they basically get the bottle blessed uh, yeah. by, by the statue, and then they take it to to the match and drink it at the game. They take good care of them. But yeah, <laughs> like there is liquor. Like under one game, I remember going. I was playing in that and I was feeling on the boundary and then you see the spectators come in. You know those water canisters where you just top up in the lunch rooms? That guy yeah. had emptied that water and filled it up with, you know, hard liquor and they just <laughs> bring it in. That's, his. <laughs> that's, the, that's the enjoyment they're in for. It's like, you don't want to be close. Like, it's just have, heavy. Have you been, Mark? I, I've not been. My dad. My dad's been. The problem is over here. Like when when uh, it's always it's it's February March is quite a, a strange time of year for up from yeah. in England to, to go away. I mean, I really want to go. Like probably it's yeah. up there with all my like any anything else. You know, going to Sabina Park or going to watch Boxing Day Test. I think going to to a big match would just be absolutely like the atmosphere would be absolutely incredible the story yeah. like when I, I grew up and like my dad and his friends telling me stories about uh you know heroics that were in this from the 70s and the 80s of of players and how they went on to play play for Shunanka. what I don't like the, the thing that always gets me is is when you listen to people who are fans of their school talk about these games it's like the stuff that players do in the big match is almost like transcends anything they might go on to do internationally so, wow. like, you know, it's incredible, isn't it? And the other thing I really like about what's happened in Shrunken Cricket is that even for the smaller schools, so the schools that we're talking about over here are kind of the bigger Colombo schools that are really established. But even over the last few years, the, even with the smaller schools are starting to develop big matches as well and have, you know, cricket teams that are able to compete more with, with the other sides as well. So it's something that is kind of, you know, becoming a bigger, wider part of struggling culture, not just for the for the kind of Colombo elite, right? Which is brilliant. Well, when are we all going over there next year? <laughs> Next March. What do you think? Right. What do you think? 
Yeah, let's do the podcast live from, from, from Pitchside. That'd be amazing, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I'd That's love it. that. Yeah. It'll be a lovely atmosphere. We've got, you know, the Sri Lankan bands, the Papere bands, as we call it. They'll clean up a party, a lot of noise, a lot of sound. Uh, just good good stuff to be around. And if there's a test match up if there's international cricket, even better. So oh, Amazing. Uh, could, yeah. could you imagine being a test cricketer playing Sri Lanka, right? And going, so weird. I mean, everyone told me Sri Lanka's really into cricket. There's only like 500 people in the stands. <laughs> and then going out and noticing that there's like 20,000 yeah. people watching two schools. Watching young guys play cricket. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think one time Tony Gregg mentioned this in a test match. I think they Did were... They? Yeah, yeah. They were playing in goal or somewhere. And he mentioned... Apparently, there's a school cricket game. <laughs> That's about 15,000 people <laughs> attending. And I don't see many people. The other thing that's worth mentioning when you brought up commentary is that when you watch Sri Lanka play cricket, the Sri Lanka commentators always reference what the players did in school. Like, yeah, in, in, yeah, in T20, in the World Cup, they're always talking about, oh, yeah, Asalanka and... and um, um, Hasaranga win the same school side together or Barnacle Raja yeah. Parks has scored lots of runs at school and like outside of Sri Lanka that has no context at all you're like I mean like if, I don't know what school Jimmy even went to but I'm sure he took loads of wickets at school <laughs> like, yeah. it makes no oh, sense no, yeah. to anyone who doesn't understand the school's cricket culture of Sri Lanka right but it's not really it's not really a big thing over here, to be honest. Um, like school rivalries or anything. Well, I mean, I, I I went to a state school, not a private school. So maybe it was more so at private schools, but at, at state schools it was just we played matches and you know, it wasn't a big deal. No one was watching other than my dad telling me to um, you know, back quicker when I'm like, yeah, 20 overs opening the batting and and being like 14 overs in, still only being on nine, playing my four defences. <laughs> You're not going to get into a Sri Lankan school. school no. Those steps, right? yeah. no way. But you know when um, even like the biggest schools from England go and tour to Sri Lanka, they don't play the big schools in, in Sri Lanka. They play like club sides. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure if you, if you put like a decent, even if you put like Harrow or Eton, which have like, they actually have a big match because they play each other at, at Lords, mm. right? I'm pretty sure if you took Eton O'Hara and took him to to SL to play a game, they'd get apps like if they played Royal College, for example. I think they'd get absolutely torn apart. <laughs> like, I think they'd then make a then struggle to make a triple digit score. I'd imagine. One one reason why Sri Lanka is competitive in the international level is our school cricket system. So. You know, you said, you know, we are not, we don't have much infrastructure or, you know, facilities as the other countries because of, because of the school system that produce a lot of good cricketers. And it's easy to identify talent when you look at a player playing in front of 10,000, 15,000 people. And if he can handle that at school yeah. age, you know, that's, that's very easy to identify a good player. Competition is always going to, I think, breed more success than sort of good facilities or, you know, mm-hmm. or, or over, um, I think a problem we have over in, in England and um, 
my my teams that I play, I play LMS. I don't. You guys have that in Australia. Last man stands cricket. Oh yeah. Which is like eight aside, twenty overs, just like a bit of fun sort of thing. Yeah. So I'll play that and, and just played last man stands. I think. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I play that and I play, you know, 40, 40 50 over cricket on the weekends. But um, in in LMS especially, um, the the league is probably 90 percent of the players are Pakistani, Indian, or Sri Lankan. And the difference I notice, because I, I captain a team, and the difference I notice in and my team's about half and half, like white British and Asian British. And um, there's a lot more freedom to the Asian way of playing. And there's a lot less emphasis on, we're always told by the Asian players, stop sort of, you know, stop focusing on your sort of forward and backwards and your straight, playing with a straight bat and stuff. Not that's a bad thing, but, you know, get out of that mindset and just sort of play the ball as it comes, you know, play like, mm. and that's that's a problem with, not a problem because you look at Joe Root, someone like Joe Root, and he's got the most beautiful technique in the world. Um, but what I found growing up and being taught to play cricket by sort of old, old white PE teachers that there's only two shots and that's forward and backward. You know what I mean? On your front foot or on your back foot. Um, whereas the, yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. You'd rather go to that than sort of, you know, a, a pull shot or something. So um, yeah, that that's a sort of, it's just a thing I've noticed the last few years from playing with um, growing up, playing with predominantly white people to in my adult life, playing with, a mixture of white and Asian people. There's there's just a lot more freedom. Um, <laughs> well, you you have to think of like Malingo basically is a uniquely Sri Lankan player because there's no other cricket system in the world that would have just let his him develop the way he developed, right? Yeah, um, that's it. Yeah. If if he if he had any sort of training in 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 England, mm. there's no coaching I ever had as a kid in cricket that would be, <laughs> like they just wouldn't let you bowl like that. They, Look at Jimmy. They, they 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 tried to. Jimmy broke into the team as a young boy, uh, into the England team, and then he didn't get picked for a year or two, a couple of years, because they tried to change his technique. Like they tried to, they said you you shouldn't, you know, look, on his follow through, he shouldn't be looking down with his yeah. head. Yeah. And then he changed it back, luckily, and became the player he is. But that's a big problem. We are way too focused on technique um i think in england just like coaching young players and unless for and again going back to owen morgan hopefully less so now and hopefully i would hope that the school systems and the coaching systems are looking at this white ball england team and saying you know there's different ways of expressing yourselves on a cricket pitch rather than just playing a forward or backward defense <laughs> <laughs> Just to uh, sum it up, with our school structure, like Vida said, that's a strong point or breeding ground for us as professional cricketers or in our country. Um, the infrastructure at school level is pretty good. Like if a lot of the schools have, I mean, good grounds, turf wickets, side nets, we've got pools for to get their strength and conditioning done. Some schools even have the luxury of gyms set up. So that's pretty much similar to a first-class structure at a smaller scale. Um, right. And 
ground for um, the school cricketers um which went venture out through i mean when as soon as we go into first class structures there are limitations but at least we have the grassroots done from to a certain point um and we are hearing more changes done there so that i mean it will be good that means cricket's moving in the right direction for us um something we'd like to venture in, into next would be um if you guys are all right we'll try to slightly disconnect from the cricket that we are talking to a topic that is happening out there you guys have been covering a lot with your programs as well um is the issues that has been arising from the yorkshire scandal so um i'd like to know what for the developments we had mark we had a really good chat and the next few weeks or days have been just i mean there is more stuff coming out um, i think there are more cases coming out from the sx camp now so um would be easy yeah would like to venture into that topic if you guys are all right with it yeah of course so um as in rafiq gave <laughs> his evidence to uh the dcms select committee last tuesday and then the topic just dominated the news cycle for about 48 hours afterwards to the point, like I've never, I can't remember a a moment of kind of like that involving a British Asian person, or actually even a, a kind of moment of racism in the UK that has dominated the news to that extent. Um, and obviously, within kind of twenty four hours, the allegations, or not the allegations, because he's come out and confirmed it, the anti semitist anti semitic uh, messages he'd sent out. Um, before kind of resurfaced the minute he gave his evidence I said look this is brilliant but you know that there's going to be people out there who are going to try and take him down that they've been trying to take him down for years they've you know in a way they've kind of got on top of it the the thing that I always think is that when you talk about racism it's not a binary thing it's not a you're a racist you're not a racist right it's much more nuanced than that it's I'll be honest I'm among friends here I think it's really difficult for non for white people to understand that because they really struggle with what racism is um, and how it affects people. Um, but I think the main the main kind of damage was done with as in Rafiq with his testimony, and that now if you don't want to believe it, if you're going down that kind of Fox News right wing kind of thing, you can kind of wave. Oh look look this anti semitism stuff. You know, he, he's not perfect. Why is he crying about this kind of thing? But actually, to me, when I look, when I reflect back on it, it's like the culture at Yorkshire was so bad. Even people who weren't, you know, even people who come in innocently have got caught up in this. And the next thing they know is Azim Rafiq is both being bullied and being a bully as well, kind of thing. Uh, the next big moment for it will be, well, also the, the next big moment for, for it will be that there will be a report released by the select committee, which I think will be early January, potentially uh, during the last Ashes test. The other issue that's kind of surfaced over the last kind of 72 hours is around Michael Vaughan, because he was initially meant to be part of the BBC's coverage of the Ashes, the radio coverage, and also um, was going to be on, so the TV in the UK will be on BT Sport, and their plan was to take uh, Fox Sport from Australia's coverage of it, where Michael Ward is part of the, the the team. What I've heard this morning is that Fox in Australia don't intend to drop him, 
which means that BT Sport are having to put together pretty last minute now a whole team to do the commentary in-house. Um, and now Michael Vaughan has kind of become part of this wider culture war that we've all found ourselves in. Um, and, you know, actually, I think when the when Azim Rafiq gave his evidence, there was players like Matthew Hoggard who came out immediately and kind of apologised for any harm caused. And to me, I find it quite grating that Matthew Vaughan, who's a former... England captain, he's Michael a broad, pardon. You said Matthew Vaughan. Oh, sorry, Michael Vaughan. He's yeah. a former England captain, and you know, a broadcaster as well. Can't own up to to any harm he may have caused. I'm not necessarily saying he has to come out and say I remember saying these things, but I think it's 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 quite a bad look for him, and I suspect it's probably ended his broadcasting aspirations. Um, unless he, you know, he, he manages to either create his own platform or goes to another part of the world where where they're, you know, where, where the incident hasn't maybe had the impact it's had in the UK. He'll always get work though. I think like I don't think it'll end his career. Like in in terms, it will it will in Britain in the sort of mainstream press anyway. But um, we've got sort of new media outlets like um, God, I can't remember, even remember what's it called. GB Club? News. GB News, sorry, yeah. So he'll have things like that. Um, And I don't know. I've never been to Australia, so I can't um, speak for it. But I don't know if the fact that they're they're still employing him, and this was sort of my perception beforehand, that it's not as big a deal. And Australia, in, in terms of race, Australia is probably quite a bit behind. That's not to say... Britain has, still has loads of problems with race, but I think most of society is generally sort of aware and sensitive to it. Um, so I, I think Michael Vaughan, sadly, will will tend to still get work. But um, in terms of in terms of the mood over here and stuff, I think there's just quite a lot of um, not. Not fear, like I, I'm a Lancashire fan and uh, at first, my dad's a Yorkshire fan. He was born and raised in Yorkshire and at first I was almost quite smug about it in the sense that, of you know, we're rival team, War of the Roses and that and it's probably the most historic rivalry in English cricket. Like every time Lancashire and Yorkshire play that it will be a sellout, you know, like no matter what. Um but it's more than that. It, it shouldn't be like a points-winning thing. And I worry that it's going to... Stories like this are just going to keep emerging from all around the UK in every... Um, Almost in every, every county now. Every county. Got, I, got I, some, I, yeah, like, some incidents so. come up. I, 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 so. And to, to what Mark was saying about, you know, if, if you're white, you can't um, sort of understand it. Like, I think that's definitely right. Um, and me and Mark have spoke about it a lot. And I, I just, I tried to explain to Mark just from like trying to see basically the racist point of view that a lot of people will now turn on Azim Rafiq, sadly, because of the anti-Semitic stuff and the stuff that he was guilty of as well. But I don't think necessarily... Um, even Gary Balance and a lot of players that were 
bred in that Yorkshire system. I think you said it on the podcast we did last week, Mark, the, the Bane quote, like I was born in the darkness. Um, and I think that sadly, all those players of that generation, and I'm assuming generations before, especially at Yorkshire, there was just toxic lad culture sort of atmosphere there. Um, that they're all, I don't even know if they're necessarily racists, all of them. They're just brought up in a terrible, terrible culture, which which made them sort of be drug-taking, racist, cheating on their wives, sexist. This is all alleged, but from what I hear, um, there is a whole culture of that going on, at, especially at Yorkshire, which is unsurprising for a group of well-paid young men, I suppose. So, yeah, the standards of professionalism, and I say this to somebody who's, who's knows quite a lot of people involved in professional rugby and played rugby with a lot of people who have been professional rugby players, international players, and also people who, and, and somebody who also knows professional footballers as well. The standard of professionalism, from what I'm hearing from the Yorkshire Cricket Club, is very low. Like, um, it's quite some of the stuff I'm hearing that's taking place. I'm like, wow, I can't believe professional sportsmen have done that. But uh, there you go. My, my worry is about going forward in English cricket is actually there isn't mu- as much at this point. So we're about 10 days, uh, about nine days of what since the testimony came out is I don't think there's the uh, appetite to make the changes that need to be made. I'm still hearing and still seeing the same people who were involved in cricket two, three weeks ago, thinking they were doing an all right job and there wasn't a problem, come up with really kind of poor solutions for it. I I think the only way around this solution is kind of full transparency. So the minute you join a cricket club, whatever age you are, that there is somebody, almost an independent person, monitoring what you need to do to step up to the next level. So do, do you know what I mean? So if it's like, if you're in the system and so, and you've got aspirations of playing higher, I can go, right, I mean, you know, uh, Tommy is a, is a 16-year-old at uh, uh, Burnley Cricket Club. What does he need to do to get into the county system? Right, he needs to improve this, 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 this part of his game. I don't, I'm still seeing talks about, you know, we need to sit down and, and have diversity discussions when actually... I think society's kind of a bit past that. You don't need to be sitting down with someone and say, "Don't use the p word." Yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of a lot of clubs. I know a lot of clubs here have um, have codes of conduct um, which are sort of agreed upon, like vaguely read and signed and signed off. Um, but you have to remember a lot of those codes, and this is from this is all levels, like even lower levels of the game. The the club I play for is a code of conduct we don't even have a clubhouse <laughs> and um we um but you have to remember a lot of those codes of conduct are written by white people and written a long time ago and a lot has changed um since they've been written so what's the role of ecb i mean i know counties um have the independent bodies governing cricket but what's the role of ECB? I mean, don't they well, have to come out and implement? So, so I don't know. How, I don't know if you guys saw this, right? But 
the ECB, the head of the ECB was meant to come uh, be in front of the select committee and answer questions. So he turned up with three other people from the ECB. So there was a whole committee from the ECB and they basically couldn't answer any of the questions. I actually thought in some ways that was more damning than anything as Ian Rafiq said, because the ECB should be, their, their two primary roles are to make sure that you provide a good level of cricket that in England that feeds to a national side that can be competitive around the world. And also, almost more importantly than that, provide governance for all the clubs underneath it. The ECB are not, from what I can see, just not fit for purpose in terms of providing governance. I absolutely cannot believe that, what, nine days afterwards, that the, everyone in the, who, who came from that, that select committee is still in power, is still in their role and hasn't been moved on. Because they just seem to not have a handle of what is going on at Yorkshire at all. Or, you know, every day we hear a new story from Essex, from, Lan- uh, from Leicestershire, from, from wherever, from Middlesex, wherever. And they, the ECB just seems to be at sea about, at, at, at this. And there is no firm leadership coming through. I suspect that when this select committee report comes out, they'll be the people who, uh, you know, they'll be one of the, the people who have... Uh, uh, the the report will be so damning they'll have to move move on. I don't uh, think they will though. Nothing will change the ECB. Like uh, that that thing needs a whole overhaul, and I don't know how that's going to happen unless it's sort of enforced on them. Um, like they had, they said the ECB said in the hearing in the select committee hearing that they have uh, an independent panel which sort of adjudicates these things and oversees these things. But the independent panel is selected by the ECB. It's not even independently elected. So they they are themselves picking the people who oversee them. So it's just uh, it's just a farce, and we've known for a long time. We know me and Mark know people high up in the media who have told us awful, like you know loads of things about the ECB and how it's run and how poorly it's run. So I, Do you know what I, I like really irks me sometimes, right? When you're a Sri cricket fan, anything that goes wrong with Sri Lanka cricket, people just point at SLC, right? Yeah. And they're like, oh, it's a badly run board or they, they're in it for themselves or whatever, right? I generally, as somebody who, who follows cricket in England and follows cricket in Sri Lanka, I don't think there's any difference in terms of the competency from what I can see of the two boards. In fact, I'd, I'd possibly argue Shrunken Cricket is probably better, slightly better well run because they've had At more least they do something, isn't it? Yeah. Where, I mean, it, like, I don't, there's lots of, I'm not saying there isn't problems with Shrunken Cricket. There is. And I'm not saying they, they couldn't be better run. I'm sure they can be. And, you know, I'm sure at some point down the line we can talk about, you know, like Premier League and all that stuff. But um, I think... Sri Lanka cricket is more proactive than the ECB are in terms of if there was a problem, they'd have to solve it because the pressure they get from the ICC and everyone else is so large that they, you know, they the you know, there is actual threats on the Sri Lanka cricket board if they don't they don't have their house in order. When all the corruption stuff was happening, they basically had to do something to, to, to stop it because they risked losing losing test status and losing the the kind of golden yeah. egg right where the ecb doesn't have any of that there's no there's pressure doesn't come on from anyone because they're guaranteed that the ashes will take place they're guaranteed that india will still turn up every couple of summers 
right? It, there's no, there's no jeopardy above him. Um, but yeah, like it, it's, I, I was shocked. I, I found that the most shocking. <laughs> uh, should we wrap it up there? Because I think yeah, sorry, <laughs> yeah, Mark. I think we are running out of time. I think that's a good place to stop, and uh, we'll definitely have to catch up again to have. Uh, have to talk more about this topic and obviously uh, during the ashes we'll, we'll try to do another episode what do you think Bora? yeah I think uh, we'd love to end on a serious note I think uh, it's a discussion that we need to um, I guess uh, educate ourselves and everyone can educate themselves about uh, how to be a better person overall um loved every minute of this episode with tommy and uh, mark um, and hopefully you can catch up mid ashes or the, at the end of ashes to review our predictions yeah i've, I've got um the recording tail enders at the moment so um got jimmy um no offense <laughs> to you lads but i've got, I've got to go do some work for jimmy now <laughs> mention mention us to jimmy i will <laughs> Get him on the pod. Like, yeah. We've not even got him on the Oh, that'd be great. Uh, I'm, I'm still building up the courage to ask him. Well, we'll, we'll go to Adelaide. That's his favourite town. So. Yeah. We'll go and see him. Yeah. Are you going to yeah. any of the tests? Um, I don't know. I might go to uh, Boxing Day. Not, not, not 26, maybe like third day or something. Nice. Is but, it hard to get tickets for MCG? Uh, no. This year would be tough. Yeah. This year would be a big one because coming out of lockdown. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Boxing day will be, but like the other days. Everything else would be alright. Yeah. There's obviously a lot of things that are happening between now and then, but I think I'll probably be in Melbourne next Christmas. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. So hopefully I'll be able to get to one of the boxing day days if you fancy it. Do you mean as long as you're as long as Chelsea doesn't dump you by then? Yeah, as long as my <laughs> girlfriend who's from Melbourne doesn't dump me. Um and well I'm more worried about like Australia just getting shut down again and not being able to no Yeah, yeah. Down. I'm only messing, sorry. <laughs> I couldn't resist. <laughs> right, just lads. All right, there. thanks. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Thank you for having me. No, Sorry if I'm just rambling on and talking nonsense. I don't know. T- tag me on um, I'm at, at Tom Andrew Stew. I'm yeah. yeah, the same on Instagram and Twitter. Great. All right, lads. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Thanks cool. for joining yeah. us. Bye. See you Thanks soon. a lot. Enjoyed it. It was a lovely chat with you guys.